So hey, everyone, thank you for joining us for this Summon Space. Uh, my name is Adam Rush. I am the president of the Summon Association, and we're very glad to have joining us today David Baxter from Bean Chain. Hello. And we also, David, how's it going? Pretty good. Awesome. We also have uh, Badger up here with us. Badger, thank you for joining as well. Hey, how are we? Doing great. Yeah, so I just wanted to sort of start off by thanking everyone for coming to our space. We've been having an exciting week for Summon. We have announced our mainnet launch. So for anyone who has um, just come here for Bean Chain and hasn't uh, been following Summon, uh, we are, you know, we are putting out Cardano's premier community coordination platform. So we are giving a place for communities to come together to be able to coordinate their um, their members for um, just talk about what they want to do, have multi-signature wallets, have uh, free, fee-free polling if they want to ask a question, put forward a proposal, and we'll also be putting out the DAO tooling uh, platforms as well, uh, the, the Agora DAO tooling smart contract. So we are excited to have um, our first modules going online on April 26th. So that is the launch date. Uh, if you're not already following Summon, please hit the follow button here. Uh, you can also sign up for our newsletter that we put out every week to let you keep you in the loop. Uh, and then, of course, we have uh, a lot of groups that are helping us out with uh, just getting the word out to people about how to make Cardano a more vibrant space for communities and for coordination. And one of them is BeanChain uh, with David here. And... Uh, Bean Chain is a coffee, a uh, new coffee shop in uh, Mesa, Arizona. It's going to be have a shared workplace, coffee shop, bakery, and roaster. And they're really working to be a pillar of the community where they can provide a space for people to come together to do their work and also like engage in educational activities around blockchain as well, because that's another passion that we have in common with uh, David and with his group. So that's kind of been the way that we've been connecting and working together and uh, why we're such, um, such a good connection with them. Um, yeah, so David, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you've been doing with BeanChain and where you're at right now? Heck yeah. So thanks for that awesome introduction. Um, and I guess uh, I can kind of start by, by telling you guys where the idea for the bean chain came from and how it ties into the larger Cardano and blockchain ecosystem. So I'm an ex-software engineer, and uh, I quit my job to start building this and the Blockchain Learning Center. Um, the idea there was uh, I wanted to build something to try to help bring cooperative uh, philosophies to American business landscape. I think that um, a lot of the issues we're seeing in America economically and with workers is that workers aren't getting enough of the value that they're creating, and they're not getting enough of a say in, in the way that that value is being used within companies that they're working in. Uh, cooperatives thrive outside of the United States and in places that have much better worker rights. Um, and we're seeing kind of a resurgence of that here with, uh, with DAOs. DAOs follow a lot of the same philosophies that uh, cooperatives and distributed cooperatives have been following for a long time. Um, so you guys can definitely see and appreciate the benefit of that here. Um, so the Bean Chain is going to be run as a worker-directed organization, and, uh, and we're going to give our workers the right to vote, a living wage, profit sharing, 
um, and follow a lot of the principles of distributed cooperatives. Uh, and out, out of that came the idea for the Blockchain Learning Center, which is going to be a way for us to start relating blockchain concepts and uh, kind of the, the core tenets of these technologies to people uh, in a much more simple way so that common folk can start understanding and using blockchain technology in their daily lives, which we'll, we believe will help workers and anybody who wants to, to create more fair and democratic organizations because a lot of these tools really lend themselves to that, having trustless systems, smart contracts that remove people from nexuses of corruption and um, you know, DAOs and, and voting mechanisms that, that people uh, want to interact with and, and feel, feel some trust in. So, um, we want to we want to make use of a lot of the technologies that we're seeing developed in blockchain within the the bean chains worker directed model. Um, things like like voting and 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 DAO ecosystems similar to Catalyst for proposing initiatives within the company and allowing the workers to vote on them. Um, having things like multi signature wallets to empower small groups of workers to work on proposals that have been passed and uh, and have funds that they can they can use to accomplish those goals, um, smart contracts to help us kind of maybe track our, our wages with the living wage of the area um, using code, making sure that that's, that's always fair. Um, just cool things like that. And, and, you know, just teaching about blockchain in the shop so that people can find their own uses. So that's kind of how, how the bean chain is going to really directly relate to all this. And I see a lot of the things that summon, uh, is doing being a huge part of that. Yeah, thank you. I, I know that when we've been talking within ADAO, uh, one of the things that sort of struck me with the way you talked about the cooperative model and the way it fits with blockchain so well is just sort of that idea of empowering people with ownership. You know, it's like when you have a person who's a part of a DAO, they, they know that they own part of the organization. You know, they have those tokens. They know that those tokens mean something and they can, you know, use them to make themselves heard. And it's the same thing with the cooperative, right? Because they have equity in the organization. They have a say in the organization. I guess I don't actually know as much about that legal structure of a cooperative, uh, but it does sound, but maybe you can tell me a little bit more, like, is this just going to be like for like one shop or are you guys going to expand to have a lot of shops and is it going to be like a wider network? How does that work? Yeah, I'd love to explain that. So um, we're kind of approaching this from a, a really experimental um, angle here. Uh, we're not using a traditional cooperative where we start out with, uh, with uh, a group of people that are all kind of uh, members of the cooperative that own a piece. We're just starting it and we're building the company. Um, we're, we're calling it worker-directed to start with, and the idea is to move from being a worker-directed company to being a worker-owned company, um, and then being more uh, strictly legally a cooperative. Um, so we, we see a lot of issues with, with uh, cooperative ad adoption in the United States, and this is kind of our attempt at trying to fix that and making this model more attractive to American business owners. Um, so the way that we're going to start it is we, uh, my wife and I are starting the company now, and we're the owners. Um, we're going to be building this, uh, hiring workers, training people, and uh, doing a worker-directed model where the workers can, we're going to have internal governance that allows people to vote and get involved in all the decisions that the shop is making. We'll have different voting mechanisms for different kinds of decisions. We'll still have a structure of managers, workers, 
and uh, and have all the day-to-day -day stuff operate pretty much the same way. But behind the scenes, we'll have a system of proposals and voting that allow people to uh, make sure that they're heard and allows the founders to try to make sure that their, that their vision is accomplished for the company. Um, we're going to see how all this goes the way that we've envisioned it now and try to define some best practices and figure out where the weak points are there with our proposed worker-directed model um, and then fix those and, and kind of iterate. Um, we're going to initiate uh, profit sharing right away. We want to give people all the benefits of that you would typically get with a cooperative. So we're going to share the profits evenly with our workers um, when there are profits. <laughs> you know, probably not the first year, but um, we're going to we're going to have uh, since we're doing it that way and the profits aren't going to the owners. Uh, we're going to have to set up a couple extra funds, uh, like a, an account for expansion and put a little bit of the, the profits each year into that account to try to build up for the next location. Um, and we're also going to make sure that we account for, uh, we want to make this attractive to other business owners in America so that these philosophies can catch on. Uh, people in America, uh, if you're starting a business, you know, you're putting in a lot of capital up front, so we're accounting for that, and we have a, a fund that will come out of the, the profits, 15% is what we're proposing. Um, each year that will go towards paying back the founders for their investments and their effort. And then once that is finished, once they've been adequately paid back for what they invested in at the start, um, we'll initiate stage two and uh, restructure legally into a worker-owned cooperative. Uh, so everything will stay pretty much the same. It'll still be worker-directed. People get to vote, propose things, get the profit sharing, but now they'll actually have the ownership as well, which is where the equity comes in. So we're hoping that we can convince other business owners to adopt models like this by saying, you know, hey, you have a little bit more power at the beginning, and you can make sure that your vision for these companies is is seen through, and you can like guide it through the early stages, and uh, and still include your workers, still have profit sharing, and then eventually have it be worker owned. Um, we think that's a more gentle transition. So I'd love to hear any thoughts on on that and and the idea of uh, of finding a, a more gentle way to introduce cooperatives to American business owners? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody who wants to come up to ask questions, uh, feel free to request speaker. Badger, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not sure if I have any questions right now. It's just, um, it's quite interesting to know that it's not really a thing that's really a thing in, in the States, like the part of England I'm from. Um, it's kind of like the birthplace of like the kind of UK kind of cooperative movement, and that goes back like nearly 200 years. So like there's a you know, we've got like, um, there's a there's a group literally called the Cooperative Group, which is headquartered near where I'm from, and they've got stores like all across the company uh, country. They have a bank, you know, they've got they do like funeral and financial services and so on, and and they're owned like by the memberships. And so one thing actually that they do, which I wonder if like you guys would like to do, is you know they these cooperatives don't just like look to be owned by the staff and so on, but they often look to kind of give back to the local communities. Um, mm. So for example, like um, if you have a, a cooperative shop near you, you can get like a membership card and, and take part in the governance and so on. But then every purchase you make at the shop, like percentages of that go to, to like local community initiatives and so on. So that you know, like specifically, like that store will be supporting, you know, local charities and so on, not just like nationwide ones. Um, and I, I really like that idea where, you know, you may go into the shop and get, you know, extra, um, you know, discounts because you're a member, um, but also, they will support uh, local things, which I think is really, you know, a great initiative. 
Yeah, that's a really um, – you're right. Like, there are a lot of places where it's really well-known. Something I've been struck by over here is that uh, that most people I talk to, 95%, have never even heard of the concept of a cooperative, which – it makes me quite sad, and uh, and and it it kind of makes sense. I think culturally, America has has gone hard in the other direction. Uh, what you were describing there was a customer uh, cooperative, and uh, we actually we have one of those that probably a lot of people know of. I'm not sure if they know if it is that it is a a, a members cooperative like that, but um, it's REI. So that that's a members cooperative, and um, they are great. Um, I, I I really like what they've done. Um, what we're building is is probably closer to a um, to workers uh, cooperative, which kind of shares the ownership amongst the workers instead of and, and the you know, profit sharing and all that and decision making amongst the workers instead of the members. Um, we have other kinds of members cooperatives in America that people are familiar with, like uh, credit unions. Um, and credit unions, usually every locale down here has those. That's probably the most widespread instance of cooperatives that we see here in America. Um, there's a good number of ESOPs around, um, though hardcore members of the of the co-op and like socialist communities would say that those aren't real cooperatives because uh, you can still own like 51% of that and end up not having you know having a lot of the same principles that a typical corporation would have. But um, I see a lot of good stuff from the ESOPs around us, um, at least you know marginal improvements over the the way that workers are treated in typical companies. Um, but yet, in in the UK and in Europe in general, cooperatives are, are thriving. I don't know if anyone here's heard of the, uh, I think it's called the Mondragon Mondragon Corporation. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but it's a collective of hundreds of cooperatives over in Spain. One question I would have then is, so you, I imagine your obviously intention to, is to use the blockchain to help with the kind of governance in the long term. Do you expect the the staff, so who are kind of you know the the people who take part in this cooperative nature, to like you know be educated on blockchain and, and take part on on that kind of governance level, or will just the you know will there be like elements on the blockchain, but the you know the people or the members might not directly take part with blockchain activities? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I want to take a very careful approach to using tools to empower the worker-directed aspects of this company. Um, I think that we need to make sure to use them where they make sense and when they make sense. And I think so a lot of that's going to be like we want to make sure to use the tools that are mature enough that the, the folks in our shop don't need to become experts on blockchain in order to use them. Um, so things that have friendly enough UIs and that work well enough that we can use them um, really smoothly within the organization to to empower that model and that it's not going to become a hindrance. Because first and foremost, systems need to serve people, not the other way around. Um, so this needs to be for the workers and helping um, to make their lives easier. And if, if something isn't doing that, then we're not going to be not going to be using it. Um, but I do think a lot of these tools are, some of them are there and some of them are really close. So I, I have I have hope that we'll get to use a lot of the the cool advancements that the blockchain is is making to to empower this worker directed model. Yeah, I mean that's so important. Even with this first iteration of Summon Platform, you know we're still very aware that this is going to be for people who are. I don't want to say necessarily blockchain natives, but people who are very comfortable working with 
a blockchain, right? People who are very comfortable, you know, making their own wallets um, and working with various wallet softwares and doing transactions. Um, and it's while it's going to be light years ahead of where we have been with DAOs, which was having to work with the command line interface, um, it's still going to be, you know, for those of us who are here in this space now, the people who really, you know, already have been, you know, onboarded into this space in the early times. But we're, what's really going to be awesome is, you know, like a year from now, two years from now, when we can get this to a point where it's a platform where people don't have to know um, what's in the back end. People don't have to, you know, it's like TCP IP. People don't really have to understand TCP IP to be able to use the Internet. Um, but it's the, it's a basic infrastructure. And that's, that's like real empowerment is when you can help people to um, use the tools in such a seamless way. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, so any other questions or, uh, or, or thoughts on, on what we're doing with the bean chain? And, and if not, uh, what kind of direction did you guys want to take the conversation from there? Well, I'd love to hear just sort of your thoughts on, you know, how you know, we can better, um, I would say, like organize communities to be part of Cardano's governance, because that's something that's really important to me and I think really important to all of us here in this in this uh, summon community is saying, you know, there's all these communities of Cardano that want to have a say in the way that Cardano heads in the future. And we, um, you know, we have Voltaire coming up um, and we're having a lot of discussions around 1694, which is just the starting point. Right. And it's going to have to change from there. And there's discussions about even like, should we do something else other than 1694? Uh, but where where do you think what what kind of like principles we can even keep it just high level? What kind of principles do you think we should keep in mind for the communities of Cardano to make sure that we are represented as we move forward? Well, I'm, um. Yeah, you know, I think that the way that we're going to try to do governance within the larger bean chain network once we have multiple locations is probably um, a good example of the way I think that a lot of communities could probably better govern themselves. Um, local governance, I believe, is one of the most elegant solutions. So we're going to give most of the power in the bean chain network to the local shops. Each of them will be their own, essentially their own, their own shop. The workers there will, uh, will get most of the profits distributed from that location to them. And the workers there will have most of the decision-making power at that location and be able to make them all unique and, and wonderful and culturally and locally suited to serve the people around them as well as, you know, primarily serving the workers there. Um, and then they'll be participating in a larger network of, of, of the bean chain and a small portion of, of the profits or revenue will go to that network. And, you know, they'll have limited power to, to make some decisions like, you know, menu items and just stuff that'll help the shops in, in the, in the larger network. Um, but for the most part, the shops will have the power and, you know, people will be able to propose things on a shop level, try things out there. And if they work really well, um, propose elevating them to the level of, of the bean chain network and say, hey, this thing might help the rest of the stores too. So let's let's see if we can, we've already tried it out here and it works. Um, does everyone else at the rest of the stores think this is a good idea? And then we can have like a vote, large, a larger vote with delegates from the rest of the stores. And uh, and you have this kind of very, very similar to the, the idea behind the United States originally, having this distributed network of states that have 
most of the power, and then a larger you know, federal network that that has uh, much less power, but uh, helps to kind of tie it all together. So I I'm a big fan of that method, um, and I think that with with tools like blockchain, we can do it effectively and, and actually empower the members of that network. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that just allowing for people to you know voluntarily join these various networks, right? And blockchain, like nothing else, allows people to seamlessly move to the places where they all feel like they have a connection and the places where they feel like they can make a difference. And I think that's a big thing is if you know that you can make a difference somewhere and you go to that place and you're working with people who you really vibe with, that that's where um, a lot of energy will come from. Yeah, and if we were to extrapolate the idea of local um, local governments and empowering like the local locations for the bean chains out to a more digital ecosystem like like Cardano, a more global. Um, maybe instead of having those um, those nodes be locally, like geographically scoped, they could be, um, you know, pockets of people with different interests within the network that have their own centers of power that participate together to uh, to serve the the larger Cardano network. And, and then there's like a top level network of Cardano tying all that together and seeking to empower each of those um, local nodes. So that is a really good um, segue to something I promised I would do for Quasar, our friend here, who is um, trying to get him to take the mic, but I think he might be um, unable to take the mic right now. He is working with um, Disco Solaris to do um, this catalyst, which is, you know, their version of um, a grant program that is empowering the community to come together and, uh, put you know put forward things that we want you know that we want to build and um, Badger maybe you ha- maybe you can describe a little bit about what Disc Catalyst is doing and what kind of programs are going on there. Yeah, so I mean it's it's kind of in this um, infantile stage right now, maybe similar to Bean Chain, where we we know what we want to do um, and and maybe working out how we go about it is part of the kind of growing issues. So effectively um, within the Disco Solaris community, um, a group created a fungible token, Discoin, and and distributed it. And then most of it has gone into multi-signature wallets um, with different purposes to kind of help bootstrap, um, you know, certain creative or developmental endeavors within the community. Um, you know, that, that could be tons of things, you know, that could be like helping a radio station develop or one of the uh, things that we're looking to fund right now is there's uh, people from the community who, who make a newspaper um, which talks about not only Discosaris news but general blockchain and Cardano news. And so it would be, you know, how can we get funds to support the development of, of these services that, you know, support and kind of help our community grow and so on. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, like the the kind of scope of it is kind of um, not quite set and the exact mechanisms are still very much up in the air, right? Because it's like, we've got to try and somehow govern the methods of governance, <laughs> which in itself, it's like, do we vote on how we vote? You know, like we're, we're kind of in that uh, early process, but it's really exciting to be part of. Um, and yeah, I'm not sure exactly what Quasar wanted to be said about it, but that's kind of the background as to what uh, this catalyst is. Yeah, I know that he was telling me about a um, um, a hackathon 
that you guys have coming up called Code Break. And so that'll be apparently be happening here in a few weeks. Uh, so hopefully um, that'll be a way for people to tap into the uh, the Discoin treasury, and it'll be a way for the you know, community to to sort of showcase what they're doing and be able to earn some of these disc discoins uh, so that they can um, be able to. Um, sorry, I hope I'm still talking. Um, be able to um, you know spread spread those around. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that Quasar does amazingly, right, is he brings together all these different groups to kind of, you know, even if they may have like a shared purpose and they don't know it, and I think he's really good for that. And I think that's, you know, kind of what a cooperative does as well. You know, it's not just about the, the business. It's about all the different stakeholders um, doing something good for their great community to tie it back in. Yeah. Yeah, and something that's cool about uh, having cooperatives in the physical world, too, is that uh, it makes sure that the stakeholders in that business, in that thing, um, are local. That uh, so, so, so one of the benefits of that is, you know, people who live locally and work at the, that place of business are not going to make decisions um, that are going to hurt the environment around them or that are going to hurt their community economically because they're going to be the ones that will, that will see the... Uh, the, the downside of those of those negative decisions. So it really ends up uh, leading to more thriving communities. Yeah, I think that's something that people feel like in, in their everyday life, whether in whether or not it's like to do with like government or if you work for a big corporation, right, that you feel like the the decisions are coming from a place so far away that it's completely out of touch with the realities of your position. And and I think that's, you know, hopefully something that, you know, Bean Chain can change for you know, the staff you have that even if, for example, you grow to, you know, however many sites and even if you, you know, cross into different kind of business ventures, like each specific member of staff and, and unit will be self-contained enough to make those good decisions. Um, and from what from what I know about those kinds of things, they're, they're great. Like there's a, where I live in Edinburgh, there's like a really famous uh, bike shop where all the staff, you know, after a certain point, um, become some owners in the business and they have like really high uh, levels of you know uh staff satisfaction and, and the customers love it right and there's this kind of community feel around it so where do we draw the line between like the community and the workers um especially sort of in your model david i'm curious so what if somebody's been working at the um company for you know like 20 years and then they you know they go to retire um, but they're still going to be around. They're still going to be, you know, in the community. Um, I, I, I suppose it's only fair that they, you know, give their share up and give it to somebody else who's coming in to do the day-to-day -day working. But how do those people still stay sort of connected in a workers' cooperative, or do they move on to sort of like the more more of a different community cooperative? That's the cool thing about models like this is they are as varied as we are, you know? So you can make that however you want. The way that we're probably going to end up doing it is um, we're going to have all sorts of benefits for our workers and our members, and um, we're probably going to have a, uh, just to describe the life cycle of a worker in the bean chain, say you, so you get hired, um, there's going to be like a six-month to a one-year, depending on how mature the bean chain is. Um, uh, review period where you work and you get a living wage and uh, potentially the right to vote, but not the profit sharing yet. And and then after that period, um, you can be voted in by the rest of the workers there after after that review. 
and, and then you're a full worker member and you get the profit sharing as well. And then at the end of your time at the bean chain, um, we're, we're also going to have, you know, um, some sort of retirement fund for people so that when they're leaving, they don't leave empty handed. They have something to, to walk away with because we don't, don't want people to, you know, um, just keep working well into their retirement because they want to, to keep keep getting their, their profit sharing and everything. We'll make sure that, uh, that there is a graceful way to exit. We haven't fully planned that out yet, but uh, the way I'm thinking about it is it's, it's probably going to be um, a retirement fund. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense, and it just sort of speaks to the fact that I, I'm sure that um, your organization, like all of the organizations we're in, will evolve over time, and uh, you'll figure it out as you go, and the governance will change as the uh, group decides how they're going to um, want to govern themselves. Well, yeah, and also uh, we want to leave a lot of that up to the workers, too. I mean, this is going to be them building this shop with us, so we're going to provide the the foundation here and get it started, but once we have our core group of you know, six to 10 workers that can help us run the shop and they're all worker members. Um, the way that retirement and exit goes, the way that, um, you know, settling disputes in the workplace goes and the way that we're going to conduct the, the structure of the, of the company management wise internally, all that is going to be up for discussion and, uh, and debate within, within that group of, of members. So, um, so hopefully, you know, uh, we'll we'll definitely end up getting something that everybody who is a member of the Bean Chain loves, because that's just going to be how it works when you have a have a democracy. Yeah, and uh, just to kind of backtrack a bit, I don't know if I told you guys kind of the stage that we're in right now with the Bean Chain, but we have it uh, just about halfway built out. And my wife and I, every every Monday through Friday, we're going out there with our coffee cart that we already built and serving coffee outside of the bean chain, getting the chance to meet a lot of the people from our community and start to train workers. And uh, we've already got three awesome workers, um, Angie, Jace, and uh, potentially another one that just joined us, Kevin. And uh, they all rock. So we're, we're still looking for more skilled baristas. So if any of you guys are skilled baristas in Arizona and want to come work with us, definitely stop on by. And also feel free to grab some coffee with us. Um, we're also, uh, we're still running a little investment campaign. I wanted to give a shout out to as well. Uh, it's probably pinned somewhere in here, but uh, it's through a company called Mainvest that does uh, crowdsourced investment campaigns. It's all cleared through the SEC. So if anybody wants to be an investor in the bean chain as well, uh, you got six days left. So I would love to hear about this crowdsourced investing campaign because I have heard about this kind of model before, and I know that there are, you know, like legalities around the way that securities can be sold and the ways that – um, if you're doing a small raise, you don't have to meet as the you know same kind of um, requirements as like bigger companies. So obviously, as a small business, you're able to work with a company you said they're called Mainvest, right, to do this. But like, how has that experience been, and how do you think it would apply to like uh, companies on the blockchain? 
amazing so far. Um, you know, since we're not legal experts, obviously, we were really looking for a way to get funding for this. That um, We were having trouble with banks because of the blockchain thing and because my wife and I left our jobs to do this, so we don't have a chain of W-2s, which is what a lot of banks want as well. Um, but we, uh, we, we found this company, and... Um, and there, yeah, the Mainvest CEO is super cool. He reached out and uh, seems to have a lot of the same values around uh, workers' rights and poverty. Um, so it seemed like a good fit there. But they handle all the legal stuff. They walk you through it. They get your financial projections and your business plan and everything, and they submit that to the SEC for you. And uh, with crowdsource investment campaigns like this, there are a lot of rules, but they kind of they help you. They're like your guide through it all. So for us, it's been very low stress. Um, we even had to change some of our financials at one point, and they helped us refile with the SEC. I mean, they did it all for us, just refiled with the SEC, notified all the investors that they needed to reconfirm their investments and everything. And, um, yeah, very smooth process. I, I'd say if you're trying to start um, brick and mortars in local communities, it's perfect because it's really easy to, like, you know, get buy-in from the local community. We already have 63 local investors, I think, and $32,000 raised out of our 35 minimum. Um, and uh, so we're really close to hitting our minimum. Uh, one of the rules with campaigns like this is uh, if you don't hit your minimum target investment, you got to refund it all. So um, we're hoping to get there, but uh, at this rate that we're going, it's looking like we're definitely going to. Um, but, yeah, very smooth, and I think that a lot of companies um, starting things in the blockchain, especially places, uh, especially blockchain companies that are going to have, like, a real-world presence as well, uh, would totally benefit from something like this and uh, might, uh, might even give them uh, more of an air of legitimacy for some of the people that are still crypto skeptics out there. Um, not any of us here, of course, but, uh, but it definitely helps getting, uh, getting the more traditional investors in. Yeah, definitely. And I'm thinking about ways that, you know, a company like this could work with someone who's tokenizing the investment to make that all kosher. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, you know, ways that that has to be done and processes that have to be followed. Uh, but this is like, you know, the, what, you know, the perfect way to um, sort of like marry these two kinds of uh, uh, models uh, to help out people. Yeah, and when you use platforms like this too, they kind of have their built-in uh, investors marketplaces, so it helps you get some uh, some marketing in there for free too. But it's definitely been helpful for us, and um, this is, it came in a, in a time of need for us. We had a when you're building a brick and mortar, you're dealing with a lot of contractors, and one of ours didn't treat us very well and uh, set us back by like six months in our schedule, which is the only reason that we're doing this raise. But um, but yeah, we're back on track now. Well, I'm very sorry to hear about that setback, but I'm glad that you've gotten things worked out. Yeah, it just took a lot of willpower and a whole bunch of 14-hour days. But uh, building this coffee cart helped a lot. Uh, being able to actually serve people early is, is huge. Yeah. So we're about 40 minutes into the space. Um, I'll just uh, say again, thank you to everybody who's joined us today. Uh, my name is Adam Rush from the Summon Association, and we are building the Summon platform, which is going to be the premier community coordination platform and DAO tooling on Cardano. 
uh, when we uh, release it on April 26th. That is the date of our public release. Um, if you go to our feed, you'll see that we've, uh, we've made the announcement of our public release on there. And we are also, if you're really, really itching to get in early, you can follow the link for our early access application. So we are uh, right now talking with different groups that are you know, ready to start using the tools and giving them some onboarding. Um, and we're doing that because we wanted to sort of make sure that we are, you know, ourselves seeing what everybody is doing as they go through. It's just, you know, sort of our beta users and um, we can make sure that everybody's having a high quality experience. Uh, so we're very thankful to the groups that are, you know, doing that early onboarding with us and giving us feedback so that when we go and launch to the public, we can have the smoothest experience possible for everyone. Um, yeah, so if there's anybody who wants to come up to talk about uh, what BeanChain is doing, talk about what Summon is doing, talk about community governance on Cardano, we'd love to have um, this opened up for the listeners. Uh, to join us to join us as speakers. Um, one of the things that we are excited about for um, for the summon platform is that we are we've been talking with IOG about making the platform have the ability to vote as a DREP. Um, so when uh, when we get to the Voltaire era and votes can be cast for governance actions on Cardano, one of those things that can be done is um, who well, what kind of you know what kind of an address can cast a vote? Is it going to be like a regular person who generates their address through their wallet, or could it be a script address, which is a special kind of address, as you might know? Uh, well, we we're talking with them about making sure that script addresses are enabled. So what that means is that if you have a multisig, you could set up let's say a five or seven multisig to say we have seven people a, a panel of seven experts on various topics, and when, um, whenever there's a vote on some sort of proposition, uh, these seven people will confer among themselves, you know, among the group, and sort of say, like, what would be the best way to vote on this? And then it, it, you would be required to have five of the seven people um, cap, you know, sign their signatures in order to cast the DREP vote. So this would be a way that, for instance, a community could know, hey, I'm not just relying on one person to vote the way I want to. I have, you know, a, a like a council that's going to vote the way that I expect them to vote. And they could also, you know, do things like use the summon platform to have a poll so they could poll their audience or poll their community and say, hey, you know, this, this vote is, you know, this, there's a proposal on the table to use the Cardano treasury to, you know, like maybe we're going to use the Cardano treasury to um, build a, um, you know, like fund a new um, DAP or something. Um, should we approve this or not? So if um, the community, if the community could be pulled of everybody who has given their governance power to this multi-sig, um, the community could tell their, you know, their council, this is how we want to vote and that can be voted. And, ide and also, ideally, you could even do that through like an Agora DAO. Um, we don't have to get into the technical details on that. But we're excited about the ways that um, DAO technologies and community coordination platforms like the Summer Platform can be used to make it so that communities can act as a DREP themselves. 
And so that's sort of the reason why we are getting communities come up here and talk about the way that they govern themselves. Because I think that the way that communities govern themselves are going to reflect a lot on the values that they bring to the Cardano community as a whole in the ways that they can, um, you know, vote to uh, support different Cardano initiatives. So, yeah, that's uh, kind of some of my thoughts. I'll give it a minute to see if uh, anybody is going to come up here and else as a speaker, Badger or David, if you guys have anything to add. Um, can I ask how the, the blockchain learning center ties in with Beanchain? Yeah. So originally the plan was to, instead of having a shared workspace in there, we'd have a blockchain learning center as the other side of the Beanchain. Uh, we have a 5,500-square-foot uh, 5, space, pretty big for a coffee shop. Um, we were going to teach classes out of there. So that evolved over time because we figured the shared workspace would be a better revenue um, stream, and uh, we need this place to be successful more than anything. Um, so we have three private offices in there, the shared workspace, and a conference room. And in the conference room, we're going to be teaching classes. Um, so we'll be teaching about front-end web development. I will, as because since that's where my career was, and uh, how to use AI in your daily life and blockchain. We'll be teaching about like all sorts of blockchain topics and using a bunch of the resources we developed in the Blockchain Learning Center. And we're going to ask groups like Cardano and Ethereum and all the major chains to um, if if they have like a you know a one on one course for their environment, if we can teach that in there as well and work with uh, with all the different groups and and people using blockchain in interesting ways out there to to teach about the the various ways that they're that they're using it. So that'll be on a class schedule on our uh, on our coffee shop's website, and uh, and hopefully that'll be something that's really useful for the local community to to use to you know further their own careers and help lift themselves out of poverty. Um, we just want to give people all the best tools that they can have. So. So to a uh, more short answer to that, we're going to be teaching classes about blockchain using all the resources that we made out of the coffee shop. And we also want to use it as a place to experiment. Um, so some of, the, some of the things that don't have to do with, you know, governance and the beam chain network as a whole, um, we can do some, we can use the space of the coffee shop to just kind of experiment with some fun stuff that the blockchain offers and the AI offers and, and other things. So. Um, so that's uh, that's another way that we'll do blockchain stuff there. Quasar, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. Awesome, David. Congratulations on what you're doing, um, and and Simon and and Adam. Thanks for hosting the space. Um, I'm really excited to see what Bean Chain goes, come, turns into how it grows and picks up. And, you know, it's, it's funny. We talk about experimenting or exploring. Um, and it's hard to do sometimes, uh, you know, in, in Project Catalyst or when, when you, know, you need money, you know, when funds are on the line, you got to pay your bills somehow. Um, and I'm wondering if we, there's not a way that we can 
get paid to explore and and experiment um, in a legit way because we're all pioneers. You know, we're on the edge of of the most advanced layer one blockchain that there is, and you know, nothing coming out the door is going to be perfect. It's going to break. It's not going to please everybody. Um, it's going to need iterations. So, you know, that's kind of uh, why I was talking about doing this 42 epoch, you know, kind of challenge and working with Disco and David and, and Adal and uh, um, Santo Testnet coins, um, uh, Demeter Run, uh, you know, the TX Pipe Group. Um, game changer and gimbal labs you know it's it's an option an opportunity for us to continuously explore and experiment and if we can incentivize the test net um, through liquidity provided by IOG to coins or something that's something that we should explore you know there's going to be new funding methods and, and models coming up so uh, I, I want to say that at the same time you know workers cooperative cooperatives uh, merchant cooperatives, anything group purchasing power or, or anything is, is, in my opinion, uh, the way to go. I'm going to get my full socialist gear on here in a, in a minute. Um, Heck yeah. I'm actually not going to do that because I'm going to go really crazy tonight. But um, actually, it will be very social. But anyway, that's it. I just want to say thank you. And congrats. I hope I hope you get the funding closed today. And I think we're going to. Thank you so much. Like it's you know, I've seen so much so much of uh the, the reason all this matters to me is is because of of what I've been through. You know, like I've I've lost a lot to poverty. I've lost my parents into issues related to poverty. I've been through it myself. I've known what it is to have to beg for medication and uh work three jobs and still have to choose between like you know, food or going out with friends or um, just all the little things that you need to live. And uh, and most people in the United States are there right now. we got 100 million people that are within 200% of the poverty line. We are all feeling it in some way or another. And, uh, you know, I, I see these things are their solution. Um, stuff that the Badger was talking about, how well this works in other places. Uh, yeah, it can work that well because they have a, uh, slightly higher respect for their workers and for the people at the bottom of these systems. Um, we need that here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm seeing these feelings echoed in just about every person that I talk to about this, uh, kind of across the board. There isn't one person that hasn't come by our cart and gotten really excited once we told them why we're doing this and, and the way it's going to go down. Um, so, so thanks, man. Like, yeah, we, uh, we need all the all the support we can get, and we all need to help each other with this because our, our leaders are never gonna they're never gonna help us. The people that are already in power are there because they've decided they don't care about us. And that's how you describe tip sixteen ninety four, right, Adam? Yeah, you know, and I I um. I love the way that you describe this, David, as, you know, the, it's, it's not like about um, like a right versus left thing. It's about like a sh showing people 
that you care about them thing. It's about giving people dignity thing. And then when you show the community that you are an organization that takes care of your people and taking care of the community, the community can give back and the community is in there with you. And that's, I think, something that we've lost so much of is that, you know, people are always thinking too much about, you know, like, um, like where, you know, what, where's, where's the blame? Where's the, um, you know, like, uh, where's, you know, this going to come from as opposed to what can we build ourselves? You know, what can we do together? And so that's why I love just sort of flipping this model around and saying like, you know, we're not going to be delivered by anyone except for ourselves. The only way we're going to you know, fix things is if we work together to do it. And that's why, yeah, that's exactly why this is so important. Yeah, my favorite band is Rise Against. They have a song called Architects, and it's pretty much uh, it's pretty much about that. It's like we need to be the architects of our own of our own future because no one is going to come out of the woodworks to save us. No, but I'm going to go see Incubus later this year. I hope, and you know, pardon me while I burst um, and. I'm the one behind the steering wheel. Um, I've got a whole list of shit, man. Like some incubus. Dude, this, yeah, man. Do it. And, oh, yeah. Well, I love the acoustic version of Pardon Me. That's one of the great things ever. Me too, man. Like, I've got it playing right now. Like, I want to, I wish I could get YouTube and Twitter spaces going at the same time. It'd be great. All right. Well, we are... I've got I've got one last thing, Adam, if you don't mind. Um, you know, none of us know how much work all of the others, everyone else, each of us is doing behind the scenes. I'm willing to bet that all of us are putting in 40 hours or more into Cardano, into our projects, and working regular jobs. Um, you know, we've got outside lives, so, you know, we got to find a way to, 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 um, put the value there and, and show what, you know, what contributions are worth and, and build self-worth and, and, and really push self-governance as well, um, yeah, thank you all for, for all the work that you do that I'll never, ever know about. Yeah, I respect. Yeah, thank you, Quasar. Thank you for all the work you do. You are one of the most enthusiastic people in the entire space. Like, you're one of the most enthusiastic people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I don't know where your boundless energy and enthusiasm comes from, quite frankly. <laughs> so I, that, that's all I can say is, man, like, that is just infectious, and I love it. Um, so, yeah, thank you for that. Um, we're getting towards the end of the hour, so we'll, we'll, we'll start to wrap things up. So I just want to give everyone a, la a chance to say last words and as we close out. But, yeah, thank you. As my last words, I think I'll say, uh, I think I know where Quasar's energy comes from. He's, uh, he's working towards his passion. He's, he's living his values, and, and like, he's, he's get, drawing that motivation from, from like, a life that's that's working towards something that he cares about, and it's, it's honestly where mine comes from too. I uh, I'm I, I wake up every day incredibly motivated because I've decided to to stop all the 
all the nonsense and like quit my job as a developer and not work for people that aren't going to help others with the money that I'm, I'm generating for them and build something that actually is going to help people. I wake up so motivated every single day. Um, all the depression that I experienced in my adult life is gone because I know I'm doing something that matters. So if I had advice to give to anyone else, I'd say do, uh, do something that you know is going to help people and you'll feel a lot better. Quasar, any final words? Badger? To invest in the bean chain. I'll say, oh. uh, yeah, just on the note that we were, like, you know, cooperatives and blockchain, the more I think about it, seem to make a lot of sense, right? Like, so much of what everyone I know is trying to do in this is do things together fairly, right? Like, whether that's, like, business or, I guess, finance or community, you can do it, like, share it and, and do it in a fair way. So, I don't know, I really like that. I'll wrap it up with, um, I was a huge skeptic of self-sovereignty and sovereignty in general. Um, I spent two years in Cardano listening and and criticizing, you know, the idea of sovereignty or, or self-sovereignty. And, and I actually experienced um, an event that demonstrated uh, self-sovereignty and, and, and sovereignty itself. And ultimately, the only way to be sovereign is to give without expectation of receiving. So the giving economy, the giving person is the sovereign person, not self-sovereign, but truly sovereign. And let that carry you through the Saturday. You know what, let's make Saturday Sovereign Saturday. I like that, and I I just love what we're doing here because you know we're we're all builders here, right? If if we if you're here in this space, it's because you found this weird little niche of um, something that is looking towards the future, something that wants to build. Um, you know, for me, it's for my kids, as corny as that sounds. And this isn't something that's going to change tomorrow. This isn't something that's going to change in a year. Maybe in ten years, we'll start to see something different. Um, maybe in twenty, you know, it'll there'll be a big change. But the more that we just go out there and we live out our values, the more that we care about building and including people and giving everybody a chance to work with us and, you know, like really rewarding people for what they're putting into it by giving them, you know, giving them value, giving them um, the governance, giving them a voice and lifting them up because they're there beside us, uh, the better off we're going to be. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just end it with, Thank you for coming to this space. You know, we're here, we're summoned because we want to provide the tools that are going to help that along. It's, it, you know, tools alone won't do it. It takes a community to do it. But uh, we thank you for being here with us because that's how it's going to get done. So have, have a great Saturday, everyone.